You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James. Welcome, everybody, to the Ride In Wild Card Weekend Rundown. Okay, so let's first. I want to talk about how we can get a little bit unique on three game slates, right? There's two three game slates. We were all hoping DraftKings and FanDuel would put the featured contests on one six game slate. Not going to happen. It would almost be like having a mini main slate like we've had all year, but you know, we basically have two Thanksgiving slates now, which you know, can't complain about, but would have rallied the big slate. What can you do? Let's talk about ways that we can get unique. This podcast is really going to be about making unique lineups and kind of tournament focused. Anytime there's a short slate like this, I gravitate towards tournaments, probably going to play like 30, 70 cash games to tournaments, whereas during the year I'm like 90, 10 cash games. So the first thing I would say is to not be afraid to really stack one game, right? So um, this weekend, obviously, Indy Buffalo has a pretty high total. We have the Rams and the Seahawks, and we have the Bucks and the Washington football team. Now, on a three-game slate, if one of these games were to go to a 41-38 like, overtime shootout, that game is probably going to have five, potentially even six players in the optimal lineup just because of all the scoring as long as the other two games are you know status quo run of the mill 21 16 type games if there's one game that's a shootout and you get it right and you have that game correctly stacked that's the way that you can be a little bit unique because most lineups that are going to be created on these two slates this weekend are probably going to have you know a stack and a run and a run back or a bring back and then you know, they kind of go away from that. They will make their lineup a little bit more balanced throughout the three games. And I'm telling you to, one way to get unique is to load up on five or six players from one game. So, you know, for instance, if you think that the Bills game is the game that's going to shoot out, or when you are building your lineups, you, you're playing for a Bill stack, the normal lineup is going to look like Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and bring it back with T.Y. Hilton. Or maybe Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, or Cole Beasley, bring it back with T.Y. Hilton. I'm telling you that if it's a 41-38 game and there's that many points scored and it, and it outscores the other two games by a good three or four touchdowns, you're probably going to need Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, T.Y. Hilton, and Zach Paschal. And maybe even the Bills defense or something like that because maybe they scored um, a defensive touchdown or two or something of that nature, right? So don't be afraid to get wild with the stacking of one game, right? A double stack and a double bring back, a single stack and a double bring back, four, five, six players from one game um, because oftentimes there is one game that clearly outpaces the rest. Now, that is not a, a strategy to deploy in every lineup. Um, this is the strategy that I'm attacking the slate with is more from a, you know, if you're building 10 lineups and, and cycling them through some three max and single entry, some 20 max contests. And, and obviously if you're building 150, you're probably doing it with a lineup generator. But I really think that it's it's good to hand build on these short slates because 
some things like this, um, you know, a lineup optimizer just can't just can't get right. It just can't wrap its head around. Um, like a lot of times you'll see if there's a ton of value on one team, like the uh, like the Colts have some value at wide receiver this week. Um, Michael Pittman's cheap. Zach Pascal's cheap. A lot of times if you don't set the parameters right, you could get two or three Colts pass catchers and and not Phillip Rivers. Um, you know, so I think hand building is a really good strategy. Obviously, leaving money on the table, you know, that's always the one that a lot of people mention. On this slate, if you max out the entire cap, you're probably going to be duped. I would actually, you know, limit my lineups that have $50,000 used to zero. Um, Do not max out the cap at all. It's a nice way to at least cut out probably 25 to 40% of the lineups in these contests will have um, at least close to the max. Um, I wouldn't be afraid to use two running backs in the same game. I know that's someone that I always talk about on short slates. Um, you know, like I mentioned, if the Bills and Coles is a game that shoots out, maybe Jonathan Taylor runs for 100 yards and two touchdowns and Naheem Hines catches five passes for 80 yards and a touchdown. Um, maybe Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick both get there. There's a few teams on this slate that have two running backs uh, on both slates, really, that have two running backs that are viable. Um, I would deploy that one a, a bit less, but it is definitely viable. And, I mean, you put two running backs in the same from the same team in the same lineup, you could pretty much play all the chalk you want around it because most likely they are not going to be paired in many lineups. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to playing a defense against players that they are facing, right? So it's very possible that, like I just mentioned before, the Bills and Colts game shoots out, a bunch of Colts receivers hit value, but the Bills return a fumble for a touchdown and they are the optimal defense on the slate. You can absolutely do that. And then the last thing I would say is I do like the idea of a single stack double bring back this week. I think, um, most uh, people that are double stacking are going to do it with the quarterback. What I mean by single stack with the double bring back is, for instance, using Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs with maybe T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal or T.Y. Hilton and um, Naheem Hines or Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, right? So you're using one stack with Josh Allen and then two from the opposing team. And it makes a lot of sense with Josh Allen because, you know, he could go for 35 DK points because he ran for 80 yards and two touchdowns and you know but he did connect with Stefan Diggs the thing with Josh Allen is he doesn't necessarily have to take all of his wide receivers with him on his 30 and 40 point DraftKings days same thing with Lamar right if Tom Brady is going for 40 DraftKings points you're going to probably need two or three of his pass catchers because that means that he slung the ball over the field because you know, 43-year-old Tom Brady's not getting it done with his legs. Okay, so the way this podcast is going to go, I'm going to go game by game, and I'm going to give you a way to get unique with each game. I'm not, because it's such a short slate, and I think some of the the, the core plays are obvious, I'm going to give you ways that I like to get different on each game, right? So you could, you could sparingly use these with your core plays, obviously. So from the first game, I like Dawson Knox, I think. Um, Josh Allen loves to target him in the end zone. I think it's very possible that he comes away with a touchdown. On the other side, I, I really like Zach Paschal. Zach Paschal has 
had three touchdowns, I think, uh, in the month of December. So he was definitely being targeted. I hear, I'm hearing a lot of buzz about Michael Pittman. You know, you obviously expect there to be ownership on T.Y. Hilton and on Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. I think Zach Pascal is a sneaky, almost punt receiver um, that you can get in your lineups that would differentiate your Bills and, and Colts stack. From the Rams and Seahawks game. It depends on who starts for the Rams, but I think John Wolford is an okay play. I know going to Seattle, playing against a defense that is, you know, kind of surging at the right time seems very scary. But the thing about John Wolford is his price. Um, And on these short slates, where there's only one quarterback in that price range for the most part, uh, in John Wolford's price range, he might be the key that unlocks the correct lineup, right? Even if he isn't the highest scoring quarterback, right? If he somehow falls into 20 DraftKings points, um, you know, and he showed a lot of rushing prowess last week. So if he rushes for 60 yards and a touchdown and then, you know, happens to throw for 150 yards and another touchdown, he could be the key that unlocks the optimal lineup. And it's not because he was the best quarterback on the slate. Uh, He might, you know, be outscored by Josh Allen or by Tom Brady by, 10 or 12 DraftKings points in that instance. However, if paying down for John Wolford allows you access to an extra stud or to make your lineup balanced, more balanced across the board, and those players are the ones that absolutely smash, right? If it allows you to get Stefan Diggs, Jonathan Taylor, and Chris Godwin in a lineup where, where you normally otherwise couldn't have, um, and those three guys go for 30 or 40 points, and you need them in the optimal lineup with Wolford, it could be the key to unlocks the slate. Now, I'm not saying to, you know, run 100 John Walford lineups or anything like that, but if you're creating 20-plus lineups, I wouldn't be opposed to having a little bit of Walford in hopes that, you know, the studs kind of go off in the slate and the QBs are kind of hovering within, you know, 10 or 12 points of each other, and that, you know, just puts Walford in the optimal lineup. It's definitely um, a possibility on a short slate. I honestly don't know if there's a contrarian play on the Seahawks. I don't know if the um, the public is going to love the passing attack since they've been running a lot. I don't. I think there's just going to be a little bit of ownership across the board on the Seahawks. Maybe the optimal or the different play on the Seahawks is actually attacking their pass game because I think the narrative is that Russ can't cook anymore. Um, I do like both defenses in this game. Uh, I think they'll be probably popular, though, on this slate along with the Buccaneers. In the final game on Saturday night, um, I think Ronald Jones has a ton of upside, right? We've seen this a million times before. Brady marches them up and down the field. And I'm not just talking about with the Buccaneers. We just see this in general. Um, Luck box touchdown variants of the starting running back. Brady marches them up and down the field. They just so happen to get some pass interferences in the end zone or, you know, somebody goes out of bounds at the half yard line. Bang, Ronald Jones touchdown. Bang, Ronald Jones touchdown. Um, so I think Ronald Jones is really good leverage off what should be a popular Buccaneers passing game. Uh, the Redskins, also known as the Washington football team, my apologies. Um, I think Logan Thomas is going to be popular, and I think J.D. McKissick is going to be popular. I think what could be the the contrarian play for the the Washington football team is some of their ancillary pass catchers like a Cam Sims 
um, who is extremely cheap, or a Steven Sims who's extremely cheap and could potentially get there on, you know, just a touchdown catch and then maybe two or three, you know, a three for 30 in a touchdown line, and, and they could wind up in the optimal lineup because of their price point. Don't really love much of the, the Washington football team. You know, I think Logan Thomas is probably the best tight end on the slate, but other than that, I think the Bucks do a pretty good job against their offense. The Ravens at Titans is an interesting game. I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of ownership, obviously, on Lamar and the big dog um, and maybe the Titans receivers. I think where we could get different is with the Ravens rushing attack. Man, J.K. Dobbins is, you know, I don't think he's on many people's radar. I think a lot of people like Chris Carson more, but Dobbins has basically scored for two months straight. Um, He just had a coming out party last week, 160 and two. I think that may have given Harbaugh um, all he needed to see to unleash Dobbins. I mean, really, Mark Ingram shouldn't put his helmet on during this game. Um, Gus Edwards maybe gets a little bit of work, but I really think Dobbins could potentially be a slate breaker uh, on Sunday with maybe uh, 100 yards and two touchdowns, something like that. I, I really like J.K. Dobbins as a differentiation off of Lamar and the big dog. As for the Titans side of the ball, I think just not playing Derrick Henry might be the best way to get contrarian. Um, obviously, he it's a risky play because, as we've seen, he can go for 202 in the blink of an eye. Um, but not having Derrick Henry in your lineup on Sunday probably makes you different than probably 40 to 50% of the field, which is good enough. Um, I do like Corey Davis at his price point as well. So stacking up the the Titans passing game would definitely be contrarian. In the four o'clock game, the middle game, it looks like Alvin Kamara is ready to roll. I like him as, you know, a floor cash play, but something is telling me that the Saints are not going to have a productive offensive game. The Bears secondary is really good. I think this is going to be like a 24-16 type, uh, not very firework-esque game. Uh, I think the Bears kind of slow it down. I think, you know, Drew Brees has been okay, but not great. Um, So, you know, Kamara, sure, probably gets a lot of checkdowns. Michael Thomas probably catches a bunch of slants. Um, But I think just laying off the Saints in this spot is a pretty good idea or a pretty good way to get contrarian. Um, I do like the Bears, though, to be honest, just because they're a little bit cheaper. Like, same thing, Mitch Trubisky is kind of like the John Walford of this slate, right? Like, nobody thinks that Mitch Trubisky is going to be the highest scoring quarterback on this slate, but he's cheap enough that he could probably allow you to fit the right combination of studs that unlocks the slate if the quarterback scoring is somewhat narrow in terms of range of scores. Um, on the Bears side, I do like Darnell Mooney if he is uh, healthy enough to play, and I do like Cole Komet if he is healthy enough to play as somewhat contrarian options. In the nightcap, Steelers, Browns, um, I don't think anybody's really going to play Nick Chubb, even though he'll probably see 20-plus carries and has a good chance to rip one. So I think Nick Chubb is a decent play. Um, I'm really not too interested in the Browns, though, as a whole. You know, they have the whole not practicing all week thing because of COVID in the facility, not great. Um, and, and then on the other side, I, I just don't know what to expect from the Steelers. Like, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if Big Ben goes for 404 and every receiver eats. And I also wouldn't be surprised if he goes for 180 and three picks. And it's a mess. Um, but I do think Deontay will be owned. I like him in cash. Uh, so that means that probably, you know, maybe Chase Claypool um, is a bit different on that side of the ball. Definitely the Steelers' run game is a bit different on that side of the ball. But I'm not too sure that I'm in love with the idea of playing James Conner um, on a three-game slate with some pretty good running back plays. Okay, so that was a little bit different, kind of, a, kind of you know, more GPP-focused, ways to get unique. But I'm not going to let the people down. I'm going to give you a core four for each slate if you are playing cash games. I like Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Just pair them up in cash. I don't care. Um, and I also like... Chris Godwin, and Logan Thomas for that Saturday slate. On Sunday, I think you go with the big dog, just open up the lineup and click them. Same thing for Lamar Jackson. I know that you know you, you would think that they're negatively correlated, but that game's probably going to have a good amount of points, and I think Lamar and the big dog get it done. I think Michael Thomas, because of his price point, uh, makes him a core play for me. Um, as long as he's healthy... He should see a bunch of targets from Breeze, and I think it makes sense um, that he, at 6700 my goodness, when was the last time Michael Thomas was $6,700? Uh, and then the last play from the last game on the Sunday slate is Deontay Johnson. I think people are going to look at the box score and forget that Mason Rudolph played last week. Deontay Johnson only had four targets after, you know, basically an entire season of being targeted between 10 and 17 times. Um, ben just loves Deontay. He's going to keep feeding him the ball. I think he is um, probably my favorite play on the Sunday slate. Uh, I'll probably have the most ownership of him in tournaments, and I think I will have him in cash as well. All right, that's it, guys. Don't hold your breath for a Monday review um, you know, with the short slate, not a ton to talk about. I, I'm if I have time on Monday, I'll get to it. Um, but crazy things going on in the household, you know, baby on the way in just a few short weeks, um, building cribs, painting rooms, just just wild times. Um, so I'll probably just brief you guys on how things went at the start of the divisional round podcast. Good luck in all your contests. Thank <laughs> you.